I'm Barry Moore and I want to represent you in Congress. Others say they support Donald Trump, but I've done it. Sign a term limits pledge, I've done it. Some say they'll fight for conservative values, I've done it. Support our farmers, I grew up on a farm, I have a degree in agriculture, I've done it. While many say they support our military, I have served. I am the only veteran in this race. Political candidates say they will do a lot of things. On July 14th, vote for Barry Moore who's done it. I'm Barry Moore, Trump Republican for Congress, and I approve this message. Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Kelly Butler, Alabama's Department of Finance Director. Also, the V-Team takes a look at excessive force used in Huntsville. And Senate President Pro Tem Dale Marsh wants more people infected with COVID. What's next? Genocide? All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. of Alabama politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by investigative reporter and columnist at APR, Josh Moon, and Susan Britt, my constant companion here outside of beautiful downtown Batala. Hey, Josh. How's it going, guys? Good, good. So we, we've done some more investigating into the Huntsville protest and the use of force against those mostly peaceful protesters. Uh, back in June 3rd, there was a protest that took place in Huntsville after a, uh, a scheduled protest. And the police department of Huntsville and the Madison County Sheriff's Department dispersed the crowd using uh, tear gas, uh, pepper spray, and rubber bullets or or beanbag projectiles. And we've looked into that, Josh, and, and know you have, and, and Mike and Danny has, and we have. And this, this type of crowd control using those types of means is really unheard of. I mean, should be unheard of with a peaceful rally. And it certainly is, seems like the Huntsville is just doubling down and trying to say, oh, we did nothing wrong. So we've reached out to some experts internationally who say that's not the way you use that that force. Yeah, it's uh, it, it violates uh, you know several uh, several international laws of, of the way that you use force in, in that manner, and uh, you know it just uh, it was also ridiculous. Uh, you know that that's the thing that gets you is is you look back at that crowd and what was going on and what they were doing and how they were handling things, uh, and it was. It was so unnecessary to treat those people in that way. There, there had been even even after this all started, even after the, the police initiated 
the violence there because the, the police did, by their own admission, initiate the violence. They they, they yeah, felt they, threatened by simple actions. Uh, you know, the, the the way people were conducting themselves uh, in, in terms of their body language and things, and no actual acts of anything that had taken place. And so they initiated the violence at that point. Even after that, the crowd essentially did nothing. Uh, you know, they threw right, bottles at them. Uh, and that was that was about it. And so uh, there was one arrest for a guy throwing a, a tear gas canister back at him. So it was, right. you know, it was that was the the mean crowd that was there. And I I just it it, it was all so over the top and and off the charts there. You know, it really. Well, was. You, it was. And they said they didn't use rubber bullets, even though April Grubb ended up with a piece of shrapnel in her leg. Uh, the guy who was taping the film that we all saw, who was not being aggressive, actually got hit in the chest with one of those, let's call them less lethal projectiles, and it left a round mark on his chest. That's not a beanbag. And according to the international folks that we spoke to, if a protester was running away from them and got hit in the spine with one of these non-lethal projectiles, then you could have, you know, it could sever the spine. I mean, that's how, that's how powerful these weapons are. Well, and that's really kind of <clears throat> what we kept looking at <clears throat> is there are several different types of what they call non-lethal uh, projectiles. But the uh, International Human Rights Group, who APR spoke with, talked to, who specialized in this, said that these are not to be, these are to be used if somebody is aggressively coming at you. You don't fire it at people when they're leaving. And that's exactly what they did. They fired it and hit people in the back, hit people in the legs. And these, if you look up uh, rubber bullets or beanbag projectiles, these things can do some serious damage. And they did it to people that were leaving. They, they, and, and, and this is abuse, according to the international uh, folks we talked to. And I know down here we don't think much of the UN or any of that, but it is still, there are rules of engagement and, and clearly Alabama has been good in all, all counties and cities except for Huntsville. Huntsville is the only city in Alabama that has used any type of force against its yeah, citizens. You know, they, they seem to have, uh, and I don't guess seem to have, uh, they did. They fell for uh, Facebook rumors. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they fell for Facebook rumors, and you can't, it, I don't, no one here would have a problem. If this crowd started attacking police officers, breaking buildings, right. doing all those sorts of right. things, nobody would have an issue with any of that, okay? No. But they didn't do any of those things. They didn't do any of those things at all. And, and the, it seems like the police fell for Facebook video or Facebook rumors uh, uh, to start attacking peaceful protesters. Yeah. Well, that's like over the 4th of July, the folks who drove all the way to Gettysburg uh, because somebody posted on Facebook they were going to burn American flags at Gettysburg. So people showed up armed, ready to fight people over burning the flag. It was a hoax. And it seems that the Huntsville police chief, uh, McMurray, fell for that hoax. And he said he'd do it again, Susan. He did. Said he absolutely would he do it again this guy's trying the better. same way. Yeah, he needs to, because they're not even supposed to engage with those weapons at the closeness, that they're supposed to be more distance. Yeah, anyway. So you, you need to retrain if you're going to do it again, McMurray. It, it just seems like that Tommy Battle in the most intelligent, progressive city in Alabama would come out and just say, hey, we messed up. We made a mistake. Uh, we got about a minute and a half. They, they, they want to remove the... Uh, Confederate monument that sits there uh, in the t town square 
and uh, they said they wanted to meet with the commission that can give them approval to remove it, not like they are, but the commission canceled the meeting. They're not meeting again until October. I'm not sure that the Madison County or the city of Huntsville is really serious about removing that monument. No, well, I can tell you that the county commission is really not serious about removing it. Uh, you know, I, uh, Tommy Battle, to his credit, uh, on this particular issue, has said publicly that he would remove it if it were left up to him. Uh, you know, well, for twenty-five grand, well, he can't remove it because it's can't the commission. It. Yeah, so it's it's left yeah. up to the county commission and Dale Strong, and I think that's where your problems lie, and I think that's where a lot of the focus of, of anger should be is with that commission, uh, because they've done exactly nothing to, the, uh, to to solve any of these problems. Here. Right, right. Well, again, this is one of our premier cities. We have science, uh, technology. Rockets. I mean, this is on the forefront, the mm -hmm. cutting edge of technology. And it seems like at least some folks are wanting to hold on to the past. And, and, and Susan, and also, I mean, when I watched that video, I have to go back to that. It looked like you were in some third world country where, you know. It looked like a military action, which is what it was. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think that that's the way peaceful protesters, even if they were cussing at them and calling them nasty names should be faced mm -hmm. and especially and not don't forget the sniper oh sniper on the wall but we're gonna have to leave it right there you're watching the v the voice of alabama politics we'll be right back with kelly butler finance director for the state of alabama fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Kelly Butler, the Director of Finance for the state of Alabama. Mr. Butler, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Bill. Susan, it's good to be with you today. There has been a lot of things going on this week, but one of the big things that we're seeing from state government is that the Ivy administration and especially involving your office, has been distributing a lot of CARES Act funds 
to help education, to help small business, and to help the nursing homes. There's about $1.8 billion that's being distributed. And these are large chunks of money that are gonna help a lot of people. I'd like to start off first and ask, could you explain to our viewers uh, the money that's going to K through 12 and the money that's going through higher education? Sure, I'd be glad to, Bill. Um, so this week, the governor announced uh, two programs for education. She released $48 million to K-12 education that's coming from something called the Governor's Emergency Education Relief Fund, which was a part of the CARES Act. Um, this particular pot of money is actually separate from the larger Coronavirus Relief Fund that has gotten a lot of the attention. Um, but it, it is for education and specifically in this case for K-12 education. So it is intended to fund many of the things that were in Dr. Mackey's uh, proposal for returning to school for K-12. So included in that are uh, monies to put Wi-Fi uh, on school buses, more school buses, which is a program that has been somewhat successful in some of the rural parts of the state. Uh, since the pandemic happened, uh, some school districts have been able to take buses that have Wi-Fi and put them in strategic locations, and then children uh, can come to where that bus is parked and, and be able to do some of the work if they don't have ability to do that at home. Right. So some of the funding is for that. Uh, additional monies in there are for what are called learning supports, uh, which are programs um, to help kids who may not be able to come back to school if, if their parents choose not to bring them back or the school district chooses to let them work, uh, learn learn at home. So the entire 48 million really was intended to address many of the issues that are coming up um, as, as we get ready to go back to school. In addition to that, on that same announcement, the governor announced uh, a $50 million reimbursement program for the public institutions of higher education throughout the state. So two year through four year. Um, and they will be able to, this is really money for to reimburse them for costs, um, traditional type costs about dealing with the pandemic. So having to do extra cleaning, sanitizing, uh, PPE, um, those kind of expenditures will be covered under that program. And there's a reimbursement process and, and institutions have been notified about that and their budget targets. We, we established budget targets for each institution, uh, which are available on our website. Um, and so that process has just begun. That, that program is very similar to programs we previously announced for cities and counties and state government entities. So that was the education announcement bill. One of the things that ha is being discussed in, in the governor's administration is a look at a reopening plan that has been championed by uh, Republican State Senator uh, Jabba Wagner, who's the rules chair, also Republican uh, Health Committee chair for the Senate, Dr. Uh, Jim McClendon, and also the minority leader of the Senate, Bobby Singleton. Can you give our viewers a, a sort of an idea of what that is and, and what, what y'all are thinking on that? Sure, I'd be glad to try. Um, so that program is a combination of 
uh, several things. One would um, allocate money to construct or put in place a separate uh, freestanding location at each school, at each K through 12 school in the state uh, for nurses to have isolation away from the regular campus. Um, so there's funding for those modular or temporary type facilities proposed in that. Uh, in addition to that, the proposal includes uh, purchasing and putting in place some um, temperature reading devices um, that are essentially you walk up to and it tells you your temperature and if it's below a certain point, you go on into the school. Um, if it's above a certain point, you get referred to the nurse and further analysis is done. And then thirdly, um, well, there's really four components. So the third component is for those children who come in and, and don't and, and get referred out of that first thermography type temperature te check, they'll be um, taken to the nurse's facility and, and get testing for both the flu and the coronavirus um, through a testing mechanism. And then fourthly, the, the proposal is for additional funds for more school nurses throughout the state, about 300 more school nurses. Now, so that's the program. is that going to cost the state any money or is that covered by the CARES Act monies? Well, it, it would cost money to do it, obviously, Susan, but, and they've, they've made a request for, for coronavirus relief fund money. We have had several meetings uh, and continuing discussions. Um, and I think, Bill and Susan, the bottom line is uh, the state school board, um, I believe, will be considering this and talking about this during their work session coming up. And um, as far as I believe the governor and I'm concerned, we want to wait and make sure that this is something that education wants to do sure. before sure. we make the decision about funding. And so that's kind of where it is right now. Well, we've got about 45 seconds, and I know that your team has been working very hard. I, I spoke with uh, some of your colleagues uh, prior to you coming on today, and they say that you are not political and that you wake up every morning trying to do your job. Uh, Y'all been working pretty hard to keep this, all this money flowing and keep it transparent, right? We've been, yes, Bill, and that's not lip service for me. I believe that. That's what that's how I work. Um, we do have a website, crf.alabama.gov, that is out, up and running, and has all this information on it. Um, that's how we're doing it, and it's, um, and I would be remiss if I didn't give credit to my team, um, the State Controller Kathleen Baxter, State Budget Officer Dorian Carlton, Susan Wilhelm, Glenda Allred, who worked with me, John Montgomery, my general counsel, it's kind of all hands on deck and we're, we're working daily on it. Well, it's one of those times in, uh, where we're all trying to work all hands on deck. Thank you for your service to the state and thank you for coming on with us today. You're welcome anytime. Good to see y'all. Good, Good to see you. Take care. Our special guest today has been Kelly Butler, the Alabama Department of Finance Director. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. The Port of Mobile is a crucial commerce center for the entire state of Alabama. 
activities with our shippers generated over $490 million in tax revenue for the state. We've generated 135,000 jobs by having a competitive seaport within cost-effective reach. Thanks to the state's leadership, Alabama's only seaport is being modernized to ensure that we are continually competing on a global scale. For more information, contact the Alabama State Port Authority at asdd.com. I'm John Merrill. As your Secretary of State, my goal is to ensure that each and every eligible U.S. citizen that's a resident of Alabama is registered to vote and has a photo ID. If you're concerned about going to the polls on July the 14th, we want to encourage you to download an absentee ballot application at alabamavotes.gov or contact your local circuit clerk. Make sure you enclose a copy of your photo ID when you submit your application. We may not see you in person, but through absentee, we'll see you at the polls. Hey man, what are you doing today? Um, pleasant game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, I am not sure whether Senator uh, Dale Marsh has early onset Alzheimer's or is just generally a horse's patoot. But he came out this week and said that he wants more people to become infected with COVID-19 so that we achieve herd uh, immunity. Yes, he did, and I think he needs to travel with a dictionary because the way this virus works and the way herd uh, immunity works doesn't work this way. But I mean, how ridiculous. I mean, he didn't even show up when they had the budget hearing this week with a mask. Maybe he wants to volunteer to be one of those that gets COVID to get toward his herd immunity. What do you, I mean? I mean, the thing is, Dr. Uh, Harris, who is the public health officer right after Senator Marsh said he wanted more people to get the virus, uh, Dr. Harris came out and said, it doesn't work like that. It, there's no scientific data. But Josh, as you've written this week, science and sometimes Alabama politicians, they just go together like oil and water, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, I'll say it is nice to see somebody leaning on evolution so heavily here in the state of Alabama. Uh, but... Um, uh, you know, for a change, even though they've got it way wrong, uh, as you might expect. Uh, but it's, it's this is not how it works. And if you you know, there, as as Dr. Harris said, uh, there there's no indication that that achieving some level of of herd immunity there is ever going to stop the virus spread because it, it just uh, it we're we're not sure that 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 works. We're not sure that you can't get it again because there have been cases apparently of people getting the virus a second time. So we're, you're essentially accomplishing nothing. And if you look at Sweden, you see the effects of that uh, with uh, the death rate that is 40% higher than, than the United States and higher than all of the countries surrounding Sweden uh, that, that it initiated lockdowns, where Sweden went through, uh, basically they decided this is what they're going to do. We're going to do herd immunity. We're not going to shut anything down. And they were the darling of the right-wing people here, that you know the anti-mask folks that didn't want to do anything. Uh, well, now you see the cost of that. 
where it's it's a much higher death rate and the economy in Sweden has still collapsed just like everybody else's death because right. you can't fight it that way. When you have this virus, people get scared and, uh, you know, all those deaths cause problems. Yeah, and the thing is that a politician, elected politician, who is actually the head of the Senate, mm -hmm. would actually come out and say that he wanted more people to get sick based on no science whatsoever. I mean, I, I think... He said he didn't want to see more deaths, and I think, Josh, as you pointed out, that's like saying I want more ice cream, but I don't want more calories, right? So, you know, no the calories. Yeah. But if we look at the COVID numbers this week, this we have had the highest mm -hmm. number of cases in a single day since the beginning of the virus in our state. Yes, we broke 2,000 this week. We hit uh, 2,164, I believe it was Thursday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. and uh, which blows past the July 3rd uh, cases at 406. I mean, that's a significant, significant and, and, and it's not, we have to keep reminding people, it has nothing to do with testing. You, It, it has nothing to do with testing. Huntsville, is seeing a Madison County seeing a surge, uh, Birmingham seeing a surge, Again. Tuscaloosa's seeing a surge. Mm -hmm. I mean, UAB and the medical center in Tuscaloosa are nearly at capacity for their ICU beds, Josh. Well, it's almost as if a few weeks ago, someone in a leadership role came out and said, hey, y'all done a great job, so we're gonna reopen everything. <laughs> and so now they're <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you know, and everybody relaxed and said, hey, let's just do summer and uh, let's go to the ball field and have fun. And that's not really, you know, how you handle this. And, uh, you know, it's it, you look around and you had to know it was coming. We've all seen these people at, uh, at, yeah. at stores and out and about and running around all over the place. And you see their Facebook posts and you know what's going on. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, so this is, it can't be a surprise to anybody, really. This it really can't be. And what's happened is misinformation and disinformation mm -hmm. has led to a herd mentality that right. says Not immunity, it's mentality. okay for us to do whatever we please. Well, you know, Marsh is a part of that herd mentality here and the he whole... Is. 145 I mean, of them down there. We've had over a thousand deaths uh, in the last, what, four and a half months? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think of that, the average coffin is about 28 to 29 inches wide. If you lined all those coffins up, stacked them up side by side, it would be 30 miles. 30 miles. Of, huh? It would be 30 miles? Wow. Yeah, 30 miles of coffin. Wow. Yeah, because 10 times 30 is. Well, yep. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm the one with the accounting degree in the in the house, right? Okay. All right. Uh, but again, I'm, I'm just taking y'all's word for it. I don't, I don't. I was told there would not be any math. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of math, uh, we'll, we'll we'll change over to something else because we're running out of time. Uh, again, UAB doctor, uh, Doctor Jody Dion Odom came out this week. She's an infectious disease specialist and said. Look, if you just wear your mask, practice social distancing, and wash your hands, we can cut this thing down. But people won't even wear a mask. Now, Decatur, Jefferson County, Madison County, several other counties have imposed mask ordinances. They are a good thing, but we just can't 
seem to, we can't get there on a state level because of politics. That's all this is, Josh. It's just politics. Yeah, I, I don't know how you equate tyranny to, to uh, requiring you to wear a mask. Uh, you know, <laughs> when you're not public. I don't. I mean, and you know, and what what kills me most of all is that uh, the majority of the people doing the most complaining about this thing are the same people that drink themselves in head to toe uh, camouflage and deer urine and sit in a tree stand for eight hours on, on you know a cold morning in the winter time. So I mean, if you can do that, it seems like to me putting on a mask shouldn't be much of a problem for you to run in and out of Wall. Walmart every now and then. They do come in camouflage. That's right. I had never thought about deer urine being oh, yeah. in the equation, but there you yeah, go. Yeah, you gotta put the deer urine on. <coughs> well, for the deer, I guess. One of the things that is apparent to me is that a lack of messaging, consistent messaging, a lack of, 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 of actual political will <coughs> have led to a lot of deaths in this country. We're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them. <laughs>